step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. The 2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Shut him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of It's Wednesday, January 18th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by ChopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And Chet, we're, we're covering it all again tonight. We've got special guests from the Phillies, John Brazier, and from HockeyBuzz.com, Bill Meltzer. We'll have Fred Hugo talking the NFL playoffs as well. Maybe for you, we'll slip in some Sixers, just for you. How about them Cowboys, by the way? <laughs> you know, I think Eagles fans enjoyed that Cowboys loss on Sunday almost as much as a Birds win. It's just bizarre. Football talk later. We are talking hockey and baseball first this evening, Bill. Yes, we are. Well, hey, let's get it rolling. We will have our Carl's Cards and Collectibles trivia question tonight at about 719, a little earlier than usual, between our guests, so... We, we didn't give away the two signed 8x10 color photos of two-time Stanley Cup champions Bobby the Chief Taylor and Terry Crisp last week, so we'll do it this week. Both photos were signed last weekend over at Carl's Cards and Collectibles in Havertown, and we appreciate Carl donating them to us. The shopforkisses.org phone line to answer the trivia question later will be 929-477-2855. That's 929 929- Four seven seven two eight five five. And Chad, another hint, uh, just like last week, uh, we've made this question about the 74-75 Stanley Cup champion Flyers. So with that, with that business right. taken care of, let's welcome back the director of Fun and Games for the Phillies. I always love saying that. John Brazier. John, welcome back. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing, doing all right. Hey, John, this is Chet. Uh, thanks for coming on with right us now. once again. What's yeah. that? I said I'm down in sunny Florida uh, right now. I know you are. We are still a few weeks away from spring training, but you are calling us from Clearwater Beach with some wannabe ball players, I believe. What's going on down there in Clearwater? Well, this is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you really got to think about it. it. It's people's dreams come true down here. It's Philly's Fantasy Camp. This is the 17th. Uh, year of Phillies Fantasy Camp. We had Dream Week before that, um, but it's great. We have guys that come down for five days. They stay at the Marriott. They get a uniform. They go out on a, at the Carpenter Complex, and they get on a team. They work out. They do drills, uh, and they're they're coached by. We have 20 legends down here. So we have Milt Thompson. You got Tommy Green. You got Danny Jackson, John Cruck, Nicky Morandini is the commissioner. Uh, I mean, it just goes on and on. Von Hayes, uh, Kevin Stocker. Uh, Jim Eisenreich, it's, 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 so two of those guys will be your coach. And then the best part is on Sunday you get to play on, at Bright House Field where the Phillies play against the pros. So you might be facing Real Cormier or, you know, you might, uh, you might be pitching to Kevin Stocker. So it's, it's a lot of fun down here. It's, uh, and more importantly, it's, it's, it's a chance for guys to you know, hang out at the bar, have dinner, you know, just really just hang out with the, with the legends, guys they watched uh, growing up. Yeah, it's a great lineup of former Phillies, and I'm sure it is a lot of fun. We had Leslie Goodell on with us a couple of years ago, and she said she oh, did she it, did and it she had a blast ago, yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got uh, Joe hey, Conklin uh, from WIP is doing it today, this year. Oh, man. I'm sure he's having fun. Uh, John, the Phils made an acquisition uh, the other day. They signed 30-year-old outfielder Michael Saunders. He's a left-handed hitter who banged out 24 or 25 homers with the Blue Jays last season, made the all-star team. What are the Phil's plans for Saunders, and what else do you know about him? Uh, 
uh, I had Tommy Joe. I was hanging out with Tommy Joe this morning. I had to take him to do some media. Um, he he said that Michael Saunders is a, a great guy. Uh, he's a guy that obviously brings a presence, brings a left-handed bat. Uh, is a good fielder. Um, and as you said, he hit 24 home runs last year, and he really had a bad second half. So, and think about you know where he's been playing. Um, you get more of a hitter's park at Citizens Bank Park. He stays healthy. Uh, and with that veteran leadership. And I think that's why, you know, we went out and got Howie Kendrick. That's why we went out and got uh, Clay Buckholtz, basically to support the team all in one-year deal so it doesn't, doesn't mortgage the future. And it's guys that can provide veteran leadership and also help in the short term. And Saunders is only 30. So, you know, we have an option next year. So if he plays really well, there's, there's a chance he could be part of the future. He's not like he's, you know, too old. So. Hey, John, one of the buzz phrases around town these days uh, is trust the process. Is, is that kind of where we are with the with the 2017 Phillies? Still a lot of youngsters, still guys that are on the farm, probably not quite ready to come up, but a lot of young arms, um, you know, that are going to get an opportunity. Are we, we just need to be patient here? Yeah, I think baseball is different from the other sports. I mean, hockey, you can have a 19- or 20-year-old kid that come in and, and have a major impact right away. Same thing college basketball. You know, it's basically the feeder system for the NBA. So you get guys that are either at a high, right out of high school uh, or guys that are, you know, coming right from the college basketball to the NBA. You know, football, same thing. You can start look at Ezekiel Elliott or Dak Prescott. So I think baseball is the rare game where, you know, it's very rare where somebody, first of all, you're not going to go from high school to the pros right away. I think Pete and Cavilli and a couple other guys are one of the, you know, lone players to do that. Um, but it really does, baseball just takes a lot of at-bats, takes a lot of, discipline and, and, and just a lot of patience to, to, you know, achieve that. You look at Dylan Cousins who had 40 home runs and you automatically think, well, if he had 40 home runs at double a, you know, let's just slot him into right field or left field. And I think we got to see what he does in triple a, uh, see if he can, he can take that challenge on and then hopefully he can slot in uh, this year or next year. So I think you've got to be patient with these guys. Uh, we have a young team, look at our arms and you got, you know, guys like Eikhoff and Velasquez, uh, Nola, you know, you think Nola's a, veteran but no he's still young um and then we got a lot of other guys zach eflin and you know we had jake thompson and ben lively the guy we got in the uh, marlon bird trade who's our pitcher of the year in the minor leagues i mean we have a lot of good arms and and there's even more we're we're stacked in the single a and below i mean we have a lot of really good latino players and other guys that you haven't even heard the name so uh now again are all those guys going to pan out no but the more numbers you have you know hopefully uh and you can you can field a, a reasonable good team, and then, you know, we're going to have the money. We really have the money to go out and spend what we want to spend. It just doesn't make sense right now to go out and get a big free agent who, by the time we're, we're competing, you know, they'll be on the tail end of the contract. Yeah, I'm really excited about watching all these uh, young pitchers. Uh, a lot of good arms, as you said, and uh, it's great that Aaron Nola is 100%, at least according to him. Um, another yeah, new acquisition, by the way, in, in, addition to, yeah, in addition to Saunders, we have Howie Kendrick. Uh, I guess he's going to compete for a starting job in left field. Now, will Kendrick start? Will uh, Saunders start? And what might that mean for guys like Aaron Altier and young prospects like Roman Quinn and Nick Williams? Yep. Um, you're gonna, you'll, they'll definitely start. You're going to have Hallie Kendrick in left field. You're going to have Saunders in right field. Um, and both of them, again, great veterans, great leaders. Uh, same thing Tommy said that Howie Kendrick's known in the game as one of the really good guys, a player's player. So, um, and a guy that can pretty much do everything, uh, you know, he, he doesn't do anything. He, he, he's not going to hit 20 plus home runs. He's not going to hit 320, but he does everything well, you know? So, uh, and again, that veteran leadership. So I think what you're going to do is Aaron Altier will be the, uh, probably be the fourth outfielder. Roman Quinn most likely will, um, will, will get some uh, AAA experience. Nick Williams will definitely start in AAA and, you know, we, uh, we're hoping to get, he's, that guy, Nick Williams, has probably the best natural talent of anybody. The guy who's got all the tools. It's just, you know, these guys, again, I think there's some maturity that, that has to happen with Nick and, and, uh, and again, get some more at-bats against quality pitchers. So, But, it's uh, again, the future looks good. And there's, there's even, again, some guys down in the real lower levels that are really good. So, again, they're so far away, you don't know if they're going to, you know, what, what they're going to do. Hey, John, the pitchers and catchers still aren't in for another three or four weeks. Uh, are you, you know, you're tied up with your work you're doing now. Um, are you down there for spring training or you come home and then go back? And what what do you have uh, going on in Clearwater? 
Yeah, I go back on um, I go back on Monday for after fantasy camp, and then I'm going to go down uh, March one. I'm going to be down there for the month of March. So um, basically, what I do is I handle a lot of the media. Um, we have a lot of radio stations that that do live broadcasts from down here. Um, I'll do some social media, um, do some other promotional um, hits, uh, and a lot of entertain corporate entertainment. So, um, but one maybe we'll get you guys down next uh, to do some live broadcast from Bright House Field next year. Or, I'm sorry, from Spectrum Field. We we changed the name of our of our right. uh, ballpark down here. So, yep. uh, but yeah, maybe we'll get, we'll get maybe we'll get you guys to do a broadcast so instead of doing the interview on the phone. You guys will be doing it live. There you go. We'll take you up on that. All right. Yeah, John, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be down there in March, I think March 21st to the 23rd, so I'm definitely going to look you up and say hello to you. Um, we were talking about be the, winter being the, off se- yeah, the winter being the off-season for baseball, but as Bill said, I'm sure you are very busy in terms of making plans for the coming season. What sort of promotions are in the works this year? Um, yeah, I mean, basically we, we start planning uh, for the this, this upcoming season really in August uh, of, the, of the previous season. So uh, it never, it never stops. We're doing, I think this year we're, we're going to have a lot of cool giveaways. Um, we're still working on it. As a matter of fact, um, we're doing I think last year, one of the more successful ones I felt was we, we did grateful dead night. We're going to do another grateful dead night. It'll be even bigger. Uh, we're still doing you know, Greek heritage night. We have Jewish heritage night, Italian heritage night, Irish heritage night. Um, we're, we're, we're working on some giveaways, uh, surrounding Mikel Franco. Um, you might see one for uh, Adubo Herrera. Um, so, again, there's going to be a lot of fun things we're doing. Uh, you know, a lot of our promotional schedule is, you know, out on, if you go on Phillies.com, you can see what we have. But uh, right now is when we're working on the details, like the Fanatics' birthday, which is the last weekend in a- April, uh, and some other things. So it's, uh, it's going to be a fun year. Oh, yeah. Now, I saw just one bobblehead promotion on the schedule for now, a Mike Schmidt bobble on July 8th. Any other, uh, perhaps, bobbleheads being added to the schedule? Uh, we probably will, but, but it's, uh, it's on, there's a little bit of a surprise. So um, it'll be towards uh, the ah. second half of the season. We're, we're working on that now. Um, but you'll, you'll like it, believe me. Uh, and Mike Schmidt, okay. uh, we're honoring the, I guess it's the anniversary of when he hit his uh, big home run against the Pirates. So I think that's my math. Am I 30, 30 years? Am I off? Yeah, yeah 30, 30 years. years oh, that right? sounds about right, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, and as I mentioned, we're going to you know, have a new hitting coach, Matt Stairs. Uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, we can get the final details on John Kruk. It's not official yet, but uh, but it looks like that's going to happen. Um, so that's exciting. So there's a lot of good things going on with the Phillies. John, you mentioned Odubel Herrera. I, you know, it's kind of a funny thing. It sounded like toward the end of the year that they, they weren't real happy with him, maybe thinking about moving him, uh, and then turned around, signed him to a nice deal. And, frankly, I, I'm, I'm a fan of his. I, I think he's got a chance to be a really good player. Um, he looks like the kind of guy that they're wanting to build this this team around. Yeah, I think with with Herrera, <coughs> excuse me, he, I think we realize he, he's, he brings great trade value. So I think in the off season, if we had, if we had basically got a king's ransom for Herrera, who's a controllable young guy, uh, we would have, you know, we, you gotta, you gotta look. So, but the same, and, and you have someone like Roman Quinn, who's a younger player, who's a little bit similar to Herrera. Um, but obviously, I guess we didn't have anybody that wowed us, and so we, we went the other way. And, and he's a great person to invest in. I mean, look what he did last year, um, where he basically changed his whole approach and he started his on base percentage. Uh, got a lot better, and he was a little more disciplined. Now he kind of veered off in the middle of the season, but you know, I tell you what, he's he's and again, he's so young, and he really hasn't played outfield. He he was brought up as a as an infielder, so for right. me, the sky's the limit as far as you know. And he's shown the ability to adapt, so hopefully he'll continue to make some improvements. And and uh, and I'm looking at other guys like I think Cameron Rupp can can improve. I think Tommy Joseph, who only played, you know, he had 330 at bats or something like that. And he had 21 home runs, so who knows what he's going to do in a full season. Um, so it's going to be exciting. You know, Galvis, Galvis had some pop last year, but, but he uh, didn't hit for average or on base percentage, so he knows he needs to work on that. And I tell you what, Matt Stairs, everyone thinks Matt Stairs is a big home run hitter, the guy that had the you know, big home run against Broxton. He's a, he's a uh, back legger. But I tell you what, Matt Stairs was known in the game. They called him the professional because he really was a professional hitter. And he's not that far removed from the game where the players 
know him, respect him, and I think he can relate to these guys. So I think he's going to be a big, big help for the team. All right, John, I don't know if you're into the uh, prediction game, but 63 wins for the Phils in 2015, 71 last year. Can we get up to 80 or 81 or better this year? I'd like to say that, but, I, but if, if I'm going to be realistic, I'm going to say we're going to go 78 games. Um, I think we'll make an improvement. Um, you know, I, I just love the depth we have, especially at starting pitching. I mean, Eikhoff was such a great, did such a great job last year, and you're going to have, again, Eikhoff, Nola, uh, Buckholtz, uh, Velasquez, and who am I missing? And I'm missing, uh, I'm missing somebody. Uh, but I mean, it's, it's, Nola, it's, Velasquez, Eikhoff, Buckholtz, Hellickson. Hellickson. Geez, how do I forget Hellickson? Uh, opening yeah. pitcher last year. Yeah. So with that, and, and with other guys in the wing, again, like Eflin and Thompson, uh, Lively, right. other guys that, you know, we have, we have a lot of depth. So I, I like our team. I think we have room for improvement. I think we're going to be better than last year. Um, so I think 78, 79. All right. Nice. Hey, John, I, one last question I have for you. You mentioned Matt Sarah's and, I really enjoyed the uh, the weekends with Schmidt when uh, Matt and Mike would get into talking fundamentals of hitting because it's just something I really enjoy. I thought they did a great job with that. Uh, is Mike Schmidt back uh, back in 2017 yep. as well? Yeah, Mike Schmidt is back. And, uh, again, if, if if all goes through with, with John Kruk as announcer, I mean, that's going to be really fun to hear the interplay between uh, Kruk and Schmidt. So um, it, it's – Mike's great to have, and I think, you know, in my opinion, he's gotten really relaxed. I mean, he's, he's, you know what I mean? He's, he's, I think a lot of people think of Mike as kind of, you know, he was tight as a player. He just has a really good, calm way of explaining the game, so, which, which isn't easy for a superstar because it comes so naturally, but he's, he's good. I think he's very good at explaining uh, the game and, and the nuances of baseball. Yeah, he, he, was very, he's, he seems very humble these days. He's a uh, yep. very down-to-earth uh, speaker i agree hey john just one final question from me I'm, I'm sure you think about all sorts of promotions that ultimately you decide not to move forward with any examples maybe of a rejected promotion or a failed promotion <laughs> well uh i i'm known come on in admit the, it in the organization i'm known in the organization for some wacky ideas and um, i figured one of the one of the ideas i had uh, a long time ago, we did a Talking Harry doll, and I don't know if you remember that, but it was a, it was almost like a little plush doll, and it had a little chip uh, in the middle of it, and that when you <laughs> slammed it against a desk, it would say, struck him out, or long fly ball, and it had Harry, Harry calls in there. I wanted to do a Charlie Manuel one, and have Charlie basically be the one to say what his, what his expressions were. Now, you gotta, you know, we'd have to make sure, you know, it, it's the edited versions of what Charlie says. Uh, I also wanted to do a, a chooch. I wanted to do a talking chooch doll where you hit it and it says fastball, hit it again, curveball. Or <laughs> so you know, there's a lot of fun ideas. You know, from a promotional point of view, I've, every year I bring up I want to get the flying Elvi to come in, uh, parachute into the ballpark. Um, so you know, one of these days, one of my wacky ideas will come to fruition. <laughs> I love great. it. Thanks, John. I have, I have one of those Harrys, by the way. It's great. I still have one as well. It's uh, it's very popular, so it's it's time for to bring that back. And who knows? Maybe we'll have a talking LA doll. Uh, we'll have yeah, that'll be there awesome. You go. There you go. All right. Well, hey, John. I think we took up your time, and and we certainly appreciate you joining us from Clearwater. And uh, I'm going to be there myself. So uh, between me and Chad, we'll, we're going to catch up with you over there. All right. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, John. Hey, stay out of that sunshine. It was a beauty today. Yeah, yeah, and the next three days will be nice. So, all there right, guys, you thank you very much. All Take right. care, John. Thanks, John. All right, appreciate it. Bye. All right, Chad. Hey, great stuff, man. Good, good insight for the Phillies. It's here before you know it. You know what I mean? I know it. All right. So, hey, it's trivia time. We're giving away two signed eight by ten color photos of Flyers two-time Stanley Cup champion Bobby the Chief Taylor and Terry Crisp signed last weekend at Carl's Cards and Collectibles in Havertown. The Shop for Kisses Dowdor phone line to answer the trivia question, 929-477-2855. All right, Chad, here we go. The 1974-75 Stanley Cup champion Flyers were led in regular season scoring by Hart Trophy winner Bobby Clark. 
who had 17 goals, 89 assists for 116 points. The second leading regular season scorer on the team had less total points, 79, than Clark had assists, 89. Who was it to finish second on the team in regular season scoring? Easy one? Not not a gimme. No, it is not an easy one. There's a lot, a lot of possibilities right there, so uh, not an easy one. But I'm sure someone will get it. All right. I think they will, too. We'll, I'll run through it really quick again. 74-75 Stanley Cup champion Flyers were led in regular season scoring by Hart Trophy winner Bobby Clark, who had 17 goals and 89 assists for 116 points. The second leading regular season scorer on that team finished. The team had less total points, 79, then Clark had assists, 89. Who was it to finish second on the team in regular season scoring? All right, okay. let's thank our sponsor, ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. By logging on to www.ShopForKisses.org's website, you become connected to over 3,000 stores, including all the big ones you already shop at. Every purchase made gets you cash back, and each purchase benefits the Kisses for Kyle Foundation, which helps families dealing with childhood cancer throughout the Delaware Valley. If you have any questions, contact Bob Sullivan at bobsullivan.shopcom at gmail.com or give him a call at 484-319-8043. And, hey, Chet, uh, the Flyers, you know, they, they had what looked like a really amazing weekend this past weekend, especially when you got to see the LCB line, the Legion of Doom, um, many other Flyers alumni back together. And our guest was all over it uh, from HockeyBuzz.com, Bill Meltzer. How you doing, Bill? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, there doing you go, all right. Bill. I, wasn't, I couldn't tell you wrong on this end. But, uh, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. <laughs> Good to be back. Hey, Bill, it's Chet. I know last weekend was a special one for you. As Bill said, you're a longtime Flyers fan turned reporter. Uh, you had the Flyers-Penguins alumni game and the reception for fans the previous night. Quite a weekend, was it not? It was, it was unbelievable. I mean, that was uh, truly a once-in-a-lifetime, uh, you know, entire, really the entire weekend. You can start with the night before um, at the Flyers game against Vancouver because a lot of those guys were, were there then for the for playoff heroes night. Then they had the big reception at the Sugar House Casino on, uh, on Friday night. And then there was the... Uh, the big alumni game the, the next night on Saturday, and uh, even in, even during the Winter Classic when they had the the big game at Citizens Bank Park, when they had a you know very big gathering of, of alumni that, there as well. I mean, this was this was the biggest you will ever see, and this was the first time that you had uh, you know, the fully intact Legion of Doom line. This was the first time Tim Kerr's even skated an alumni game since he retired as a player. Um, you know, you had really just just about it. In some context or another, pretty much, it. pretty much, you know, there were some exceptions, but the, pretty much everybody who's anybody in, in Flyers history was there, and they even had a reunion of the '67 '68 team, which was a really neat touch. And you know, Bernie Perron was involved in, in that way because, of course, that his first stint with the team was as a member of the original team. And all, you know, all the guys from all the different eras, they they got along great, and uh, the fans just just had a blast. And it was, yeah, it was. Uh, Truly, truly a weekend. I think that anybody who was, who was there or even watched it on TV will never forget. It was terrific. Yeah, I did get to watch it on TV, and as you said, it was awesome. Thank you, by the way, for posting all the pictures on Facebook, you and the Alumni Association. And, Bill, you got to pick the three stars for the game. You chose Bob Clark as the number one star for the alumni game. Explain why. Well, yeah, Clarky, uh, you know, Clarky was is really just, you know, the – the most iconic player in Flyers history, along with Bernie Perron as well. But, you know, this was also Clarkie's last time playing in an alumni game, along with Bill Barber and along with uh, some others as well. But just just his presence there on starting the game, playing playing the final shift, you you can't imagine Flyers history without Bob Clark. So for his final game, his final game actually suiting up as a player, you know, I thought it, I thought it was appropriate that to to honor. You know, because the event really honors 50 seasons of Flyers hockey, and to me, to me, that really begins with Bob Clark. So, you know, that's why I that's why I chose him first overall. Um, it wasn't necessarily for his play in the game, but uh, you know, I, that 
those those the two best players, and it's usually the case in, in alumni games, the, the younger guys. You know, Danny Briere was terrific in that game, and he was one of the stars. And Eric Tejeda looked so good; he looked like he could still be playing. So he did. Those guys, those, yeah, he sure did. He looked he looked terrific in, in all three zones. So you know, those guys were also stars. But I think that for an occasion like this, it was appropriate to pick Larky. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Bill, they showed a, um, you know, when when you see the introductions and you see all those guys, I, I guess it doesn't really strike you. I mean, it strikes you somewhat. But then they showed a video of many of the people in the organization over the years who had passed on, and yeah. players and trainers and everything. And, you know, it was like a trip down memory lane to me, seeing, seeing some of those names and, uh, you know, and just seeing a snapshot of them. I thought it was tremendous. That was a, that was a very nice touch, and it was also, you know, uh, Bob Clark had mentioned afterwards it was very hard. It was very hard on the weekend not to think of Ed Snyder, you know, uh, all weekend long. He would have uh, he would have loved this, you know, and just obviously it wouldn't have even been possible without everything that Ed Snyder did. And uh, in terms of some of the other other guys as well, Dave Poulin pointed out, you know, and it's really a shame from those 1980s teams. Uh, I believe I believe offhand four of the players have since passed away. Um, yeah. you know, Pelly Lindbergh, of course, being one. They are, are uh, Peter Zezel, um, Brad McCrimmon. Um, you know, one of the assistant coaches, EJ McGuire, has passed away. Um, Miroslav Dvorak since passed away. So, you know, there were there were a lot of guys who who were hard not to think about in the weekend too. But I think. Uh, you know, and it was Bill Barber. It's a lot of these guys. You know, they're they're there in spirits, and I, it did it did really feel that way without sounding trite about it, but it did. Yeah, and then we lost McLeish and Daly last year, so yeah, great to see uh, everybody up on the big screen. That that was really a nice touch, as you said. Uh, let's talk now about the current day Flyers. Bill, not such a pretty picture. All of a sudden, they are three eight and three since that ten game win streak. They've lost nine straight on the road. Lots of questions about the defense and goaltending. What's going on with this team right now? Well, it is. It's kind of after after they won the uh, ten games in a row, you know. But since then, basically everything everything that could go wrong has, and the record shows it. I, I I'm a believer that everything starts with team team D. You know, when you're playing solid team D, the goaltending looks better. You tend to have more. You know, you tend to have more transition chances. You know, I think that's that's the first area they need to look to fix. And it's you know when I say defense, it, it's the guys of the blue line, but it's also forwards back checking. And also, defense and goaltending always walk hand in hand. If if one is good enough, the, it's going to lift the other with it. Or if one is bad enough, it's going to drag the other with it. And neither one has been very good. So each one has kind of been dragging the other down to to an extent of late. And that's been probably the most you know unpleasant surprise this season because both both Steve Mason and Michael Neuwirth are very capable goaltenders, and neither neither on an extended basis has played anywhere close to their capability. So that's really been that's been tough. Um you know, the defenses defensively they've been a mess. I mean you look at you look at over the weekend how many goals they've given up. But not just not just there, whole all season long the goals against is over three and that's not gonna that's not gonna win in the NHL. The Flyers were outscoring their mistakes for quite a while there, but they've stopped scoring too. So you know, I think that uh I, I think that no team is ever as good as it looks at its best or as bad as it looks during, you know, one of these losing skids. I think the the Flyers are the Flyers could be the team that, that in the second half put on a big run last year and got on the playoffs. You know, they're not they're not off too far off the pace now. They've kind of slipped out of a playoff spot, but if they straighten some things out starting I said with the, the team defense, I think they could still get in the playoffs. On the other hand, you know, what separates the pretenders from the contenders in, in the NHL is being able to win on the road. Even when the Flyers missed the playoffs two years ago, they had 53 points at home. You know, you they, you know you you, you prorate that on the road. It's 106 points. Now, obviously, you don't usually have the same record the home on the road, but the whole thing is the home record was fine. The home record was right where it needed to be. Last year, they were a 54-point team at home, and they had just enough points to get into the playoffs because so they had some improvement on the road. And this year, the record, the road record's fallen off again. That's something that they need to change immediately. You need to find ways to win away from your building. Most teams have a good home record, so that's something that uh, coming back from coming back from this uh, so-called bye week, that's something they need to to fix right away. And um, you know, I think that I think as well that uh, you know, I think that sometimes when a team has that many days off, it's not the 
it's not necessarily a good thing. But, you know, uh, on the other hand, I think the team mentally was a little bit beaten down right now. So it, it, I guess I guess uh, if you look at a positive here, they, it gives them a chance to regroup a little bit. But they, they don't have a lot of time to waste here. They, they have a lot of work to do to start making up some of the ground that they've lost because the teams in their division have kind of run away with it ahead of them. So right now, basically, what they have to shoot for the rest of this year is the the eighth spot, the last wild card. Yeah. Hey, Bill. One thing about Ron Hextall as the general manager, it's uh, he wears his emotions on his shoulders, you know, on his sleeves pretty pretty closely. Uh, he's obviously not a happy camper with the way things are going right now. Is that uh, enough to expect changes during the bye week, or uh, just enough to kind of jack some people up a little bit? Well, I think that I mean I, I think that uh, yes, he he is, you know, he does wear his heart in his sleeve. But on the other hand, everything he's done as general manager has been very cautious. It's never been, it's never been the knee jerk reaction based on you know a small time frame. And the big picture has always been what they've had in mind. So I don't I don't anticipate any major trades right now, um, especially because the. Because especially because the salary cap complicates it, you know, you're not just making trades to help the team on the ice. You also have to match salaries too, and that that can make it tough. They're not going to, they're they're certainly not going to get any rentals, any any high price rentals for uh, draft picks. So, you know, could they shake things up? Could you see, you know, could you maybe see a veteran who's a uh, an unrestricted free agent at the end of this year, maybe a a Mark Streit or a uh, or a Michael Delzato? Traded. Yeah, you could if they if they continue to slip and uh, they're heading towards the deadline. I think you could see you know a move or two like that. Um, but I don't I don't really think there's going to be too much change on the roster this season. I don't. I think I think you're going to see bigger changes heading into next year. Well, with the Flyers on this bye week, Bill, you're writing uh, about some of the Flyers' prospects. I know they have Sam Orin, some goaltending help as well. Who are some of the guys to keep an eye on? Well, the the crown jewel of the farm system is really they have a, a number of very good defense prospects and a number of really, really probably, I, I would argue the best goaltending prospect depth anywhere in the NHL right now. Now goalies take, take the longs to develop, but uh, you know, Anthony Solars is close. The Phantoms have a very good um, rookie named Alex Lyon. Um, they, sign out, they sign out of Yale. Um, he's a very promising young goalie. Uh, Carter Hart is one of the best goalies in Canadian junior hockey. He's uh, he's a couple of years away, but he you know he starred for Canada in the in the um, World Junior Tournament. Um, Felix Sandstrom, a Swedish goalie, is is very good too. Uh, now you mentioned Sam Moran. Uh, he and Travis Sanheim, who's uh, Travis Sanheim, is his the offense is starting to come. I mean, they knew he could produce points. The question was, could he play in his own end of the ice? So they they took away you know they they kind of lessened some of the offensive responsibilities he had as a rookie with the Phantoms this year and he's done better than expected in that regard he's coming along and now the points are coming too um, he's actually at the same night as the alumni game he had two goals in a game for the Phantoms one was beautiful it was an end to end kind of a goal he's really a high skill player uh, they have another defenseman named Philippe Myers they're really excited about and another def- even another defenseman Robert Hag um, who's a third year pro but he's only 21 years old, um, and I think he could be he could be in the Flyers roster as soon as maybe even the end of this year, if not the beginning of next year. Uh, forward wise, they have uh, a Swedish player they like named Oscar Lindblom. He's been among the league leaders in the Swedish league and scoring all year. He'll be here next year, and you know the continued development of, of guys like uh, Travis Konechny and uh, Ivan Provorov. So I think the over the next couple of years, the way the the way the team looks is going to change considerably. And it's going to skew towards the younger players as well. Hey, hey, Bill, I had one. I have one final question for you. And going back to the alumni game, and you mentioned Tim Kerr, and uh, there was a lot of really good comments about seeing Tim out there. How did how did that all come about? And you know, how, how did we get Tim back on skates at least one time? Well, I you know it, it's. Uh, Tim would have played uh, when they had the game at, uh, at Citizens Bank Park a couple of years ago. He had to have surgery, so that precluded it. Um, really, it was really it was the enormity of the event, and also, you know, also a lot of his a lot of his old friends from the the '80s teams. Brad Marsh is now the president of the Alumni Association. You know, Brian Prop, 
pool, and everybody kind of said we you know, we really like to have you there. Paul Holmgren as well reached out, and I and I think uh, and I think although Tim doesn't doesn't isn't really a public figure, he he likes to keep to himself for the most part. I think uh, you know, I think he really relished this this chance too. It was it was great to see him back out on the ice again. They had a they had a practice earlier in the week. And uh, even though, you know, it, it's really funny with these guys because the legs may go, but the guys who have hands and the smarts, that never leaves them. And Tim Kirk and Tim Kerr on, on that practice game was uh, just scoring goal after goal after goal, which, you know, which is which really a thrill to see. It was fun. Yeah, he was one of my favorite players. Loved seeing Tim Kerr out there. But one more thing before you go, this is kind of a request. Please tell the story of what Bernie Perron had to say at last Saturday morning's skate when he referenced Bill Gates. Yeah, that was that was a neat thing. Bernie was standing around before the uh, before the morning skate, and um, you know all the guys there from the different generations of the team were all were all standing around and they're all talking, laughing. And Bernie Bernie told a story. He said they had met Bill Gates one time. And after meeting him, you know, he, he thought that, you know, for all of Bill Gates' billions of dollars, uh, he said he couldn't, uh, he couldn't buy this, and he pointed to his Stanley Cup ring, and he couldn't buy this, and he pointed to the camaraderie and friendship of all, of all the guys who were in the room. And that's really, you know, really why those guys play the game. And that was, uh, you know, it was very eloquent. It was, it was just kind of moving. That's yeah, awesome. Love that story. Loved it. All right, Bill. Hey, uh, that time just flew by. But we we certainly uh, enjoyed you coming on. Maybe we could do this again after uh, the alumni game goes out to Pittsburgh. Is that, that'll be fun. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. We'll talk okay, to you again, Bill. Bill. Thanks. I think we appreciate it. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, Chet. Do we have any trivia answers? I think we do have someone from the 610 area checking in. Oh, that could be Fred. That's probably our buddy Fred, so no. Uh, why don't you repeat that question for the trivia prize? I will. We're uh, The 74-75 Stanley Cup champion Flyers were led in regular season scoring by Hart Trophy winner Bobby Clark, who had 17 goals and 89 assists for 116 points. The second leading regular season scorer on the team had less total points, 79, then Clark had assist 89. Who was it that finished second on the team in regular season scoring? And said hit number two. His name was just mentioned in that conversation between you and Bill and I. How's that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's get rolling. There you let's go. keep moving. We need phone calls. Let's get these pictures away. And it's Fred and Butter time with our special guest, Fred Hugo, joining us to provide a breakdown of championship weekend. Fred, welcome back. What's up, guys? Thank thank God the Dallas Cowboys are gone. Thank God they're gone. <laughs> How about them Cowboys? Yeah. How about them? We're all a little happy hey. about that. Ooh, man. Hey, hey Fred, you know, I, I preached it all year. And I, I said this forever, and then I went against my own thinking. There's some quarterbacks you don't go against, and one is named Roethlisberger, and one is named Rodgers. Yep. Uh, well, it's a good thing. I, I think me and you both mushed the Cowboys, so I'm glad. I'm glad we went against Rodgers, and he he proved us wrong. Uh, I jumped yep. on the, the Big Ben train though, but yeah, you don't go against them. That's right. Well, how so? How do we do? I think Chet gets the gloat. I think. Well, there's there's one man that's hotter than Aaron Rodgers in, in this world today, and that that man's name is Jim Chet Chesko. He is Ooh. running the table in the playoffs with an eight and zero record, and then Bill, wow. me, and you are tied for second or last place. Either way, six and two. So, wow. Well, guys, so we're gonna... since. Hold on a second here. Let me gloat for a minute. I'm going to interrupt you because I am 8-0, so uh, I think I've pretty much wrapped things up. So allow me to introduce Homer Simpson to speak on my behalf regarding my 8-0 playoff performance. I am the champion. I am the champion. No time for losers because I am the champion of the world. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, hey, Chad, I just want you to know I'm not really all that good in math, 
but you have a two-game lead. There's three to go. <laughs> I like my chances. Uh, I like your chances, too, but you ain't the champion until the fat lady sinks. All right. All right. Okay, Fred, hey, as we said, conference championships this weekend. Both games are on Sunday, so you've got Saturday to do your your honey-do list. we got Green Bay and Atlanta at 3.05, and Pittsburgh at New England is the night game at 6.40 on Sunday. Take it away. Let's start with the NFC Championship game. That game's on Fox. You just announced the time. The Green Bay Packers, uh, what a game that was last week. Winners of eight straight. Traveling to Atlanta to close out the Georgia Dome. The Falcons are four-and-a-half-point favorites. I also just want to note, I don't really say this on the show, but the over-under for that game is 61, which which shows high scoring to me. I expect it to be a lot like the earlier contest uh, earlier in the year, week eight, where the uh, Falcons edged out the Packers 33-32. And then get this, after that game, both teams, it's pretty high scoring. The Packers have averaged 30.2 points per game, and the Falcons have averaged 34.9 points per game since that matchup. So we're going to see a lot of lot of scoring, much like the Cowboys game and, and the Falcons scored last week as well. Uh, both offenses are very explosive. And the Packers, we all know they have the hottest quarterback and, and in my opinion, and in most people's opinion, the better quarterback. Rodgers' magic continues. He has a career 118 passer rating against the Falcons. And also in the Georgia Dome, he has zero, he's thrown zero career, zero interceptions, and has 10 touchdowns. So he, he's not intimidated at all to, to go into Atlanta. Matt Ryan, though, he, he's no slouch either. He's voted first-team All-Pro this year, and, and he's my pick for league MVP. He has a ton more weapons as well, and he torched a, a pretty strong Seattle defense last week. I really don't know how you're going to stop either of them, I, but it's going to come down to one of these defenses are going to have to step up and, and, make, and make a play. You know, that, that's it, or a turnover or a sack. And just looking at both both defenses, I, I've seen improvement on the Falcons' end, and I think they're, I'm going to go against them, even though it, it's it's the rule. I'm going to um, I'm going to go with the Falcons. I think their pass rush is going to be able to get the Rodgers, led by Vic Beasley, Clemson alum. He leads the league with 15 and a half sacks, and I, I think there's there's going to be a play here in the fourth quarter where, where they're going to where they're going to get to him. I got the Falcons winning this 38-24. Whoa. All right, here we go. You've got a future Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers. You've got the probable league MVP in Matt Ryan. Two great quarterbacks who've had terrific seasons. Neither team has a great defense. So, yeah, we should see a lot of points in this one, just like in the Packers-Cowboys game, just like when the Packers and Falcons met previously. I don't have a strong rooting interest in this one, but I do expect a heck of a fun game. Bet the over. Yeah, it's 61. I'm going to say it's going to be a little higher than that. You know what? I'm going to go with the same score as what we saw last week in Dallas. The Packers win this one, beating the Falcons 34-31. Okay. Well, I'm not going to be a fool two weeks in a row. So I've picked Aaron Rodgers every week since I saw him dismantle the Eagles whenever week that was, when I saw it live. And I only jumped off him one week because it was at Dallas. I'm going to go back with Green Bay this week, but I'll tell you what, the Atlanta offense has been special. They may turn this thing around and score a lot of points, but I'm going to go Green Bay, and I think it's going to be a little lower scoring game. Later in the season, it usually gets that way. I'm going to go 28-23 Packers. Either way, that that game's going to be really, really exciting. I'm, I'm excited for this weekend. Our next matchup we got is the the AFC Championship, the Pittsburgh Steelers coming into Foxborough to play the New England Patriots. The Patriots are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, It's supposed to be 36 degrees at kickoff, so there shouldn't be real any any weather factor. Both teams are used to playing in those conditions. The Patriots are 3-1 and in the playoffs lifetime against Pittsburgh, and under Belichick overall um, have won 9 of 12 against the Steelers. Both offenses – statistically are pretty even. I went and looked it up on NFL.com, and the Patriots have a slight edge on both pass offense and rush offense, and then that ends up totaling about a 12-yard per game average above the Steelers. Points per game, they're almost locked. The Patriots average 27.6. The Steelers are averaging 24.9. 
this game, I think it's really it's going to be like playoff football. It's going to be old school. It's going to come down to defense. Uh, Patriots on paper have the better defense, especially against the run. I didn't realize this. They have not let up um, in 24 games a rusher um, above 90 yards in the last 24 games, and that includes a, a back whatever week when they played the um, the Ben Roethlisberger. They didn't have Roethlisberger, and when they played the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell, they held him to 81. So they won that game 27-16. The Patriots' pass defense, though, I'm I'm not sold on. They're not they're not bad, but they're not great. I, they give up two yards less a game than the Eagles, so they're they're comparable. I think McCourty and Logan are pretty good, but Eric Rowe. A lot of people talk about him going up there and Chung, but I don't. They don't really do much up there. Um, the one the one quarterback they did face this year was Russell Wilson. All the rest were pretty much scrubs, and he lit them up for 340 plus yards, I think, and three touchdowns. So, like I said last week against the Chiefs, that the Chiefs had the better deal on paper. I think the Steelers' defense is hot right now, and uh, their secondary's improved. They're hitting everyone. I really think the Steelers are going to go into Foxborough and, and knock off the Patriots. I'm going to go Steelers 24, Patriots 20. And and in the beginning of the playoffs, I'm kind of sticking to it. I, I picked Falcon Steelers too, so I had to stick to my guns as well. So that, that factored in a bit. Interesting that Fred picks both Atlanta and Pittsburgh, two teams that the Eagles beat pretty handily this year. Go figure. All right, another great matchup. Two storied franchises. They've won six Super Bowls between them in the last 22 years alone. Of course, the Steelers won a bunch before that. Patriots and Steelers are first and third in total victories since 1994. The Steelers have more weapons these days, but the Patriots have that Tom Brady guy, that Belichick fella, and home field too. New England is eight and four in AFC Championship games. They are five and one when those AFC title games are at home. So. I've got to go with the Patriots in this one in a close, exciting game. I'm taking New England 27-23. Well, Fred, I thought I was going to be the first one to say you had it. You heard it here first because I'm going Steelers. And the reason I'm going Steelers is because the only way that you're going to beat Tom Brady is by playing defense, getting in his face, making him uncomfortable, blitzing from all over, and nobody does that better than the Steelers. That's the only way you're going to beat them. If you can't get to him and he stands back there and throws the ball, it's over. So I am going to go with the Steelers' defense to step it up and beat Tom Brady and the Patriots in New England 21-17. Good. good All right, if you guys are right, then I'm I'm not going to clinch, but uh, I'm standing by my picks. Packers and Patriots win. Yeah, hey, you you're, you're you're the Aaron Rodgers of the group right now. You're running the table, so <laughs> we'll see. I'm hoping. There you go. All right, Fred. Hey, as always, on your own top of it, next week we'll be down to the Super Bowl, so we won't give our predictions until the following week, but we'll review the championship games, and we'll talk about that some. We'll talk about the Super Bowl matchups, and, uh, and then we'll make our picks the following week. All right? Yeah, real, real quick, I just want to say, Mrs. B's listening, and as you refer to her, that, that's my grandmom. I just want to say, hi, grandmom. I love you. Keep fighting, and you got this. Hello, Mrs. I'll, I'll... B's, one of my favorite, my favorite people for 50-plus years. Get better, man. She's awesome. But I'll see you guys next week. Okay. Thanks, Fred. Man. Take care. All right. Hey, hey uh, Chet, do we just have a couple minutes here? But I wanted to say to you, this must be your night to gloat. So tell me about the successful week of the process. Is Joel B going to be an all-star? Well, ever since you said that the team stinks, they've kind of been on a little bit of a roll. They've won six of their last eight. Eight, uh, still too close to call, though. I understand that Charles Barkley dropped some sort of a hint in a radio interview this morning that Embiid will not be a starter. Maybe he has some inside info but that he thinks Embiid would likely be added as a reserve. None of that's been verified. Bottom line is, the young man has done enough to warrant playing in the All-Star game, so we'll see. We'll know Thursday night, I believe, is when uh, they announced that that's uh, going to be when we'll find out if Embiid is going to New Orleans. But you look at his numbers and what he means to the team as a defensive presence, he should absolutely be in the All-Star game, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. I agree, and I think he will be. Um, you know, not only has he become – you know, Mr. Basketball here in Philadelphia, but it's, it's catching on nationwide. And, 
I think the fans are going to see him there, and uh, and he's going to be there. But, hey, with that said, because we don't have a lot of time to talk about the Sixers, um, we will come back, though, because we're going to talk more about this Jaleel Okafor debacle created by Brett Brown um, <laughs> this week. So the process, as far as Joel Embiid and the players are getting better, the Brett Brown process is not. Uh, yeah, I mean, some of that's true, but uh, they are winning some of the games down the stretch they were losing earlier in the season. As you said, the players are getting better. Uh, a lot of guys are contributing now, so better days are ahead. We still don't know about Ben Simmons. There were there was some speculation he'd be back next Friday, the 27th, when uh, the Sixers game at home against Houston was moved to 8 o'clock for national television. I don't think he's coming back that soon, but it would be nice. Yes, it would. Hey, one final topic for you tonight. Uh, at 6 o'clock tonight, the baseball writers spoke. They announced the class for two, 2017, Tim Raines, Jeff Bagwell, and Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez. You a buyer on that group? Well, it's not a, a sexy group of names, to be honest, but in my opinion, all three are deserving. I didn't know for sure that Pudge would get in in his first year of eligibility, but he does belong, I think. Um Reigns and Bagwell both deserving, but neither, you know, the big superstar that we sometimes see going into the hall. Uh, I think you have a different opinion about those three. I wouldn't put any of the three of them in, to be perfectly honest. But, yeah, uh, you know, Reigns Reigns has had a solid career. I don't know that he had a Hall of Fame career. Um, you know, it's his 10th year getting in, trying to get in. He hadn't been able to get in until now. You know, Bagwell and, and Rodriguez. Rodriguez is a known, been been pointed out to be a juice guy. Um, you know, I think if you're going to start letting the juice guys in because of the Bud Selig thing, then this isn't where you start the list. I mean, if you're going to start letting them in, then let Bonds and Clemens be the first two in. Um, but uh, so I, I'm just not on board with that. Trevor Hoffman. By the way, by the way, you need 75% to get in. Rodriguez got 76%, and Trevor Hoffman got 74%. So there was a nine-vote difference, but that was 2%, and that let one in and kept one out. And uh, Trevor Hoffman, I thought, might have a chance to get in there. Yeah, and you alluded to this. The big story, in my view, for this year's vote is that both Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, while not getting in, did get a significantly higher number of votes than in past years, both right around 54%. They were in the mid-40s, I think, last year. So it's going to be interesting now to see if they continue to get more support in the next couple of years now that the commissioner from their era, Bud Selig, as you mentioned, was voted in by the Veterans Committee a couple of months back. So let's keep an eye on that situation. Yeah, and one other one to point out, too, along the same lines, Manny Ramirez, and even though he only got 24% of the votes, um, you know, he's got a whole string of, of issues with him besides uh, PEDs, and yet he still managed to get 24% of the votes. Uh, that's 105 votes. That's a lot of votes. So we'll, we'll yeah. have to follow that out and see, see what happens with these guys because uh, the tide is definitely turning. And I didn't see the number, but what percent did Kurt Schilling get? There was a lot of talk about whether Schilling would uh, come close to getting in or not. Yeah, Schilling got 45% of the vote, 199 votes. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10th. He finished 10th on the list. Yes, yeah, I think he's deserving. I mean, they bring up the character issue in part with him, and, you know, he's kind of goofy and has said a lot of things to tick off a lot of people, including media people, which no doubt hurt him, I guess, in this vote. Uh, I didn't think he was going to come close to getting in, but I think he does deserve it just for what he's done in the postseason. Three world championships, and look at his numbers in the postseason. I think Kurt Schilling's a Hall of Famer, but that's maybe just me. Yeah, well, and I, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I will read it tonight, and we'll post it on com tomorrow. But as soon as it was announced, our friend Frank Fitzpatrick wrote an article about Schilling, and the headline basically reads that he, he was his own worst enemy. So we'll we'll read that. We'll post it tomorrow so everybody can take a look at it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what Frank has to say for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, Chip. We uh, well, let's. What do we have lined up for next week? Let's go there first. 
Well, for next week, Bill, he's a favorite of ours who's been with us, I think, four times previously, a Villanova alum, a former Eagle, a former Patriot too, by the way, a guy who worked on the Eagles radio network for a number of years doing pre- and post-game work, a terrific motivational speaker, and an all-around great guy. One of our favorites, Kevin Riley, joins us once again next week. Oh, that's awesome. We'll be able to talk playoffs with him for sure. We'll be able to talk Super Bowl and uh, good stuff. Kevin's a good man. We'll talk a little more about that Dick Vermeil golf outing coming up as well. Yeah, I think we're going to be there again. I hope so, anyway, this coming June. Yeah, that's right. Well, hey, Chad, moving on. PhillyPressBoxRadio.com still booming. Again, we want to say thank you to each and every one of you that visits the site. And uh, we've had some great feedback about our Flyers makeover on the site. Yeah, uh, and it does look good, I must say. Uh, thanks uh, to you and Matt. Everything looks really good. Uh, we're going strong. Check us out every morning for everything you need to know about the Philly sports scene. It's all there, phillypressboxradio.com. Yeah, and for your baseball fans, we're starting to add some, you know, there's some more baseball articles, Philly's articles coming out. We're, we're making sure we post them about uh, signings and different things, uh, you know, that they're making. And uh, so we're, we're covering all, all the bases. We sure are. We try. That's it. All right, hey, Chet, uh, let's get our signing updated. Carl Starge at Collectibles. And this, the Cup champion collectors were out in force last Saturday to meet Bobby Taylor and Terry Crisp. And they were great with the fans as well. Carl said it could not have been a better day. So uh, hats off to the fans and hats off to those former champions. Next up is the Temple alum who made his NHL de- uh, debut with the Chicago Blackhawks, Eric Samborski. He will be in the store. So don't forget, you can also get all your framing of your memorabilia or anything else for that matter done at Carl's Cards as well. They have framed up some great stuff. For all the details, go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on the Carl's Cards Collectibles banner at the top to go directly to Carl's website for all the details or stop by Carl's Cards and Collectibles at 22 West Eagle Road, Havertown, PA, or give Carl a call at 610 610- Seven eight nine four nine nine six. You can also contact Carl on Twitter at Carl's Cards. Mr. Chesco, do you have a parting shot tonight, my friend? Why do I think you will? It's a relatively short one for me, anyway. But yeah, I do. An interesting Philly Metro column the other day by WIP's Glenn Macnow, who asked a bunch of what-if questions. You know, what if Harold Katz hadn't made those goofy Sixers trades at the 1986 NBA draft? What if Pelly Lindbergh and Jerome Brown had lived? But the one he's thought most often about over the last decade or so, he says, and one that I've thought about myself several times, what if the Eagles and Terrell Owens hadn't divorced? As Glenn noted in his column, there was a lot of blame to go around regarding that soap opera. But it's just a shame that we didn't get to see T.O. as an Eagle for more than the one and a half seasons that he was here. Because I agree with Glenn. Had Owens stuck around, the Eagles would have that elusive Super Bowl by now. Well, you know what? I need to look up that article because I didn't see it, but that is very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, what do you think? You think if he, you know, either got the new contract or, you know, didn't put up the big fight, would they have won a Super Bowl? Would he have, you know, stayed for five years and they may have gone back to the Super Bowl a couple of times, won one or two? Oh, I, I think they would have certainly certainly been right there uh, because I think the, the flip side of that is the disruption that that whole divorce ca- caused within the locker room is what exploded the, or imploded the Andy Reid era. You know, I, I think they split the yeah. locker room with that whole thing, and, and everything just fell apart from that point forward, and it ended up costing Reed his job, and the team went in the tank. Yeah, and it's just a shame, but uh, I guess we'll never know. Never know. Yeah, no, we can only hope. Well, hey, Chet, we already are at the top of the hour, so let's thank our special guests, John Brazer and Bill Meltzer, Fred Hugo, Carl's Cards and Collectibles, for their continuing support of the show. Mary Flanagan, our marketing extraordinaire behind the scenes, and our sponsor, ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, January 25th, when Kevin Riley joins us. You can listen through our new website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet 
at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Radio or or both iTunes and Stitcher. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. I am the champion. I am the champion. No time for losing. I couldn't resist. But I am the champion uh, of the world. <laughs> Enjoy hey. the games this weekend, everybody. That's right. I hope. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.